Welcome everybody to the next episode of the Cannabis Review. I'm delighted to be joined in this episode by Dr. Michelle Sexton. How are you keeping today, Michelle? I'm well, and how are you doing? I'm fantastic. Thank you very much. You're a naturopathic doctor. Can you maybe explain everybody your current position in the industry and uh, how long you've been in the sector? Well, I'm a naturopathic doctor, which means that my training was really focused on the world of complementary, alternative, integrative, and traditional medicines like botanical medicine. And we're fully trained in medicine, but our, our primary therapies are centered around natural products and um, you know, building health up uh, from the ground up, addressing root causes rather than just trying to treat symptoms. And I got involved in cannabinoid research when I was in medical school back in 2005. I did a postdoctoral fellowship in the pharmacology of cannabinoids at the University of Washington. Uh, and I'm now currently at the University of California, San Diego, where I'm involved in uh, one of the first cannabis clinics at a major academic institution. So I see patients there and give advice and counseling around the use of cannabis as medicine. You've got a very extensive track record. I, I recorded 18 different papers published in peer review journals. Um, was it a conscious decision that when you decided to focus on cannabinoids for medical treatments, uh, was there an inflection point that convinced you to go in that direction? Uh, actually, no, it was very serendipitous. Uh, I did not set out to focus on cannabis or cannabinoids. I was doing some research uh, in the role of a protein receptor in neuroinflammation, uh, especially around brain tumors. And so when I got to Seattle, Washington for my MD degree, I wanted to continue researching and I got in contact with Dr. Nephi Stella at the University of Washington. And this was really more around uh, the activation of microglia cells, which are immune cells resident to the brain. And I didn't even know that he was studying uh, cannabinoids. And so I, I fell into his lab and doing some work there. And that was really how it all came about, was sort of from the science peace and not, you know, from personal experience or uh, through the industry directly. Very interesting. The first topic I wanted to talk about was cannabinoid-based medicines. Can you maybe give everybody the, the most up-to-date overview on what are the furthest, most advanced medicines that are using cannabinoids as key molecule ingredients? What's the timeline do you think that you're going to see before one of these comes to market and actually is a dominant player? Well, I mean, when we talk about cannabinoids, uh, you know, there are plant-based cannabinoids, and then we have many, many uh, synthetic compounds, different classes of compounds. We know that these different classes of compounds can act pharmacologically in different ways. And I think in the pharmaceutical industry, a real interest is in um, CB2 receptor, uh, CB1 receptor agonists that don't cross over into the brain, and also targeting the endocannabinoid system by inhibiting the uh, degradation or the hydrolysis of our endocannabinoids. 
So it's very interesting that after about 30 years or, or longer, I think it's uh, we're approaching 50 years of formal research of the endocannabinoid system, there's really not uh, still any drug on the market other than THC or combination of THC and CBD that have been actually approved as medicines. Is there a big opportunity then in the creation of these formulations, whether you're picking a pharma generic where the patent is run out and you're adding cannabinoids to enhance the efficacy of that? Or is it uh, potentially a biotech company who can make their own entourage effect from a multitude of terpenes, flavonoids and cannabinoids and turn that into a formulation that's got patent uh, protection around it? Which of those two avenues is the most advantageous, do you think, or are they both running in parallel with each other? Well, yeah, patent medicine, you know, is kind of interesting. It can be hard to get um, patents around, you know, formulations. Um, but, you know, because these are natural products, you can't patent, you know, an individual natural product. Um, so I think that the, you know, the industry is really way ahead of our, you know, our formal scientific research into all of these different combinations, you know, we have a lot more information from people in the real world just using all of these, because when we go to try to actually study formulations, there are not that many available uh, as a researcher to study. So I think, you know, until it becomes easy to study different formulations, the industry is going to be really far ahead of the science in trying to figure these things out. So, I mean, I'm a, I'm a natural medicine doctor. I was an herbalist even before that, you know, so plant medicine for me is the whole plant. And so that's my preference, you know, rather than, I, th I think there's a role for single molecules, you know, because we have a lot of very difficult to treat diseases on the planet today. We live in a complex environment. Um, so I think we need powerful medicines, but I think that we also need plant medicines for their role in building our health up. And this is where, you know, cannabis can play a role in toning our endocannabinoid system uh, if we're doing that wisely with, uh, you know, understanding the dosing, particularly of THC, the most potent molecule. Very interesting. Next question is, how does somebody fine tune their endocannabinoid system? What are a couple of tips that you'd give for people who are watching or listening to this? Well, the endocannabinoid system is a system designed to ensure our survival. And unfortunately, in today's very stressful world, you know, we sometimes we're really fighting for survival, even on our physiologic level. And the, one of the primary impacts negatively impacting our endocannabinoid system is previous trauma, generational trauma, chronic stress. And, you know, there's hardly anybody that escapes those. And so how that impacts our biology uh, also impacts our endocannabinoid system. So number one, for toning our endocannabinoid system is learning something called stress resilience. So often, you know, if we have been beaten down by a lot of stress in our life, we sort of have to relearn 
how to cope, we honestly have to reprogram our brains. And this takes a lot of work. And in this process, we are toning the endocannabinoid system. There are many plant-based compounds that can also tone the system. I think uh, on one of your previous episodes, uh, beta-carophylline, which is a common uh, sesquiterpenoid found in different foods. So these, these compounds in low abundance serve to uh, you know, build up the expression of receptors in our body. I, th I think this is a primary human plant interaction uh, and, and relationship that we have with plants that these are not compounds that are in a dose that's necessarily gonna be therapeutic for something, but in plants and the way with that we consume them, their role is to simply tone systems. So if you can think about this, like with peppers and the compound capsaicin, which hits our TRPV1 receptor, that's the, you know, feeling the heat or the spice from pepper. So at even having, you know, low level of spice, you're toning that TRPV1 receptor to continue to be expressed. So I, I see this same function with using low dose of THC to help build the receptor expression. And so this can be really necessary in people that have been uh, exposed to childhood traumas, other trauma in adulthood and chronic stress, including PTSD. Well, wow, very interesting indeed. The next topic I wanted to talk about, you've got a lot of expertise in cannabinoids and neuropathic pain. Our Irish medical department came out after a multi-year study on, on medical cannabis. And one of the things they said, it's, it's crystal clear, cannabinoids do work for neuropathic pain. What has been your experiments or, uh, experience in the research in this uh, sector so far? Well, I mainly have clinical research in this experience or clinical experience working with chronic pain patients over the last 10 years or close to 10 years at UCSD, where I became formally involved with uh, the pain division at UCSD. And so we were actively using cannabis to help people exit opioids. And many of these patients are chronic neuropathic pain sufferers. So a neuropathic pain is specific to like nerve damage, which can be different from other tissue damage or other causes of pain. And this is where the evidence is really strong for THC binding at the CB1 receptor. And so there's several mechanisms throughout the body by which THC can very much turn down the volume on neuropathic pain. And in my experience, uh, CBD is not effective for neuropathic pain. I know that there's been some good animal data, um, but having worked with uh, probably over a thousand chronic pain patients who often arrive saying they've already tried CBD, and then when we move them over to like a one-to-one -one product of THC CBD, they get much more pain benefit. And I, I honestly think too, that for neuropathic pain and, and some subtypes of that, that actually inhaled cannabinoid is, is a much better delivery, more rapid, getting a higher concentration of the compound into the brain and the tissue uh, 
to provide adequate benefit from neuropathic pain. What do you think is the perfect administration route for uh, the dream product? Is it is it injectable? Is it a topical cream? Is it is a soluble tablet? Is it a solid tablet? Well, that's a great question. I mean, I think that uh, inhalation works very, very well. You know, I know that we have challenges with our uh, various governmental organizations um, wanting to approve inhaled cannabis, you know, as a medicine. Uh, we typically are using uh, dry vaporization of flour, not concentrates because of the, the dose. Uh, and that, you know, we know that it's very bioavailable that way. It's a very rapid onset, which can be beneficial for many patients. Um, so, you know, if, if some were to, someone were to be able to demonstrate something oral that could have that rapid of an onset, you know, that could really benefit patients. Um, I'm often having patients using a combination of inhalation for that rapid effect followed by something oral. So they're not having to inhale again in a couple of hours, but getting more extended relief and not having to wait on the onset that usually can take anywhere from one to three hours uh, for patients to reach their uh, Tmax in the bloodstream from ingested cannabinoid. Yeah. Now I want to move on to your book that has been released. Can you maybe tell everybody reasons behind writing the book and the uh, target audience? Yeah, so my book is uh, titled Eat, Sleep, Relax, Protect, Forget, an endocannabinoid guide for systems wholeness for women. So this just arose out of my um, you know, experience starting around 2005 of, of studying this system and also because I really started my healthcare career as a midwife and an herbalist. And so I just think that there's some misconceptions about cannabis, especially around women's health. And I, in the book, I call these urban legends. And so I'm just trying to clear some of those up and pre present some factual information around um, the utility of cannabinoid-based medicines in women's health, as well as when to exercise caution. It's been fantastic talking to you, Michelle, and hopefully we get to touch base again towards maybe the end of this year and get an update on all the research and development that you guys are, are taking part in. But for now, thank you very much for taking your time to do this. Thank you so much for inviting me. Until next episode, everybody. Bye.